Hello all and welcome to the newest episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. I'm Austin. I'm a knockout. I've watched a lot of wrestling. I'm David. I'm a noob. I haven't watched a lot of wrestling and I really don't want to watch more wrestling tonight, but here we are. <laughs> Life is pain. Oh, what could make David so sad? But a return to the new generation. <laughs> I'm having fun with this aspect of it. I suffer too, but like watching David suffer does make things a little funnier for me. Not uh, total, total, uh, total, uh, this full disclosure here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, laugh it up, asshole. I'll uh, enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> so, where are we at today? Today we get to watch the very patriotic July 4th, 1994 episode of Monday Night Raw. Oh good, I can't wait to see what the new generation does with patriotism. I'm sure it'll be very smart and nuanced and entertaining. And I'm pretty sure, I'm sure I have a feeling it'll be very boring, to be honest. Oh good, you know what, better than, better than explosively problematic. Hey! So, what has happened in the last three? It's been three episodes since our last since our last trip down this little fun time. What's been going on? Not as much as I'd like, to be honest. You know, I, I like to feel like things are progressing if I'm going to sit through these episodes anyway. But kind of didn't feel like that. Feel like that. Um, kind of the biggest plot point for me to hit on is King of the Ring happened, and. What happened? And what happened in King of the Ring? Uh, I guess two big plot points worth talking about. Two points. First, uh, the WWE Championship match. Remember, we had a uh, Bret Hart versus uh, Diesel. Oh, and, oh, dang! We're already there. Okay. Yeah, we uh, that match happened, and Bret Hart retained. And it was kind of the interesting thing coming out of it is that he didn't win. He didn't win straight up. Uh, what ha is is this is King of the Ring saw the return of Jim Neidhart. Uh, you might remember him. He was Brett's tag team partner when they were in the Hart Foundation back. You know, oh, when... yeah. The, the thing about Jim Neidhart is that like I, I don't want to. I, I I would feel bad disparaging Jim Neidhart <laughs> because he's not terrible, but he's not great as a singles act, and so. His career is kind of like it peaks when Brett is available for him to be a team with. <laughs> okay. And when Brett is doing his solo thing, like between the 80s when he's in the Heart Foundation and then like in 97 in the Attitude Era when he's part of the new Heart Foundation when it's a bigger group, are the career highlights of Jim Neidhart, period wise. You know, that that middle section where Brett's kind of, is the babyface champion kind of Going at it on his own, Nightheart's is kind of there. But he comes... So did he come back to, like, team up? Yeah, I'll get to that. Okay. But he comes back to this episode to interfere on Brett's behalf. And so he, he kind of... Diesel has the match won in the sense he hits... He hit Bret Hart with the powerbomb! But then Jim Nightheart just runs in and decks, uh, decks Diesel which is a disqualification <laughs> match is over diesel wins but in in wrestling you don't you can't win a championship on a disqualification so bret hart is still the wwf champion okay seeds are being planted here for diesel's inevitable face run is is, is my point oh okay yeah. like he's technically a heel but like vince mcmahon has eyes on him as the new is the new hulk hogan and all, yeah. and so, you know, we're setting up, we're setting him up to be a more sympathetic character. Cool. Okay. But, but that, ha that hasn't really, the, Sean and Diesel have had pretty much no major role in the last three episodes of Raw. So what, how do they feel about this? Don't really know. <laughs> okay, cool. Right <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what they're about. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, the beginning of this is early in the pay per view. It's like Jim Neidhart is, is he is he teaming up with Brett again? Is Brett going heel? But uh, but you see that was but a twist. That was about that was a, not a twist. That was in fact a red herring. That's the right word. Because later in the show, you get the King of the Ring tournament finals, which is the other thing I need to talk about. And Owen Hart is in the finals, and Jim Neidhart arrives to help Owen cheat to win. 
and he's not aligned, and Jim Neidhart revealing he's not aligned with Bret Hart. He's aligned with Owen Hart. Uh, oh. oh. Are they, wait, are Owen and Bret opposed right now? Yes, they're in there. Oh. Yeah, oh, right. Owen Hart's in his, like, I beat Bret. I'm the better brother. Why am I not WWE champion? Oh, oh, this thing. Yeah, yeah, okay, 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 yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. So, and he and he won King of the Ring, and he had a whole big coronation ceremony, as you do. He crowned himself the King of the Hearts. <laughs> Jesus. And so, yeah, this, this the King of the Ring was kind of there to, I think, to really establish, kind of set up Owen. Because here, spoiler warning where this goes. Bret Hart is going to face Owen for the WWE Championship at the next pay-per-view, SummerSlam. And that's where we're kind of building to now. Yeah. And so I think this is kind of this was kind of a move to kind of legitimize uh, Owen Hart as best they could, you know, between um, him beating Brett at WrestleMania that earlier in the year and then now winning King of the Ring, it kind of gives him this like launching pad for that kind of moment. Which is uh, even more cruel, knowing how Brett or Owen's career ends up. But yeah. anyway, anyway, anyway uh, yeah, you know. And 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 the King of the Ring is an is kind of inconsistently used for this kind of thing. Like sometimes it means that they get a WWE Championship match at the earliest convenience. Sometimes it means they just call themselves a king for a while. But I appreciate it when they use it as like a championship match opportunity. Yeah, no, I I I appreciate the the I almost said the Bretts the I appreciate the hearts like when they're actually utilized well so it's nice to see them kind of getting to have some fun here with each other. Yes, and uh, their match at SummerSlam is bangers, which we're gonna watch, but we're not there yet. We're oh, not there for okay. a while. Okay, uh, okay. I guess the uh, I'll be patient. I guess, I guess the other thing worth mentioning about Brett is Brett hasn't been seen on TV since um King of the Ring. I believe that changes this week, but. It was announced that, you know, the one, two, three kid, you know, we saw him a little bit uh, last time he was there as like the most athletically gifted one here. Yeah, no, uh, God, they're good. They're good. Yeah. And so the kid, they they wrote in the story that like he impressed so much at King of the Ring. I, I, I for, I'm forgetting where I think Owen Hart beat him. I think it's where that ha- is what happened there. And then. So they announced that next week on Raw, and don't worry, we'll watch that episode after this one. Not not today, but like I, next fi- time. I figured. Yeah, is is they have announced that the one two three kid will face Bret Hart for the WWE Championship. <clears throat> okay. And I'm pretty excited about that match because I have a feeling it's going to be really really good. I. I, I, I feel like one, two, three kid from what you've told me is pretty promising. So putting him mm-hmm. against the heart feels like, feels like, Oh, you know, maybe actually good utilization of, uh, of your, of your fighters here. Yeah. Um, only other thing really worth talking about from King of the ring is this case. This is an infamous pay-per-view and I didn't really, we don't want to rewatch it. And it didn't really make sense for this storyline, but it's worth mentioning how funny it is because is because, um, it's famous for art bar. Uh, Art Bar is a former professional football legend from Baltimore, and this pay-per-view took place on at Baltimore, and so he showed up. He they put him in at a guest commentary role. The okay. bad news is Art Bar clearly doesn't know anything about wrestling. <laughs> he clearly oh, has oh, never no. watched it before because he asks really dumb questions the entire show. Oh no. <laughs> And by I mean dumb questions, I mean things like when when uh, Shawn Michaels comes out with Diesel, he goes, is this guy one of the wrestlers? Mm, Every no. single match, he's like, well, how much does this guy weigh? And that that's the famous line from this is every <laughs> single match. He's like, how much does this guy weigh? Honestly, that kind of sounds entertaining in its own dumb way. It is. It's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> to look back on, especially because kind of the the real story here is Randy Savage and Gorilla Monsoon are the commentators along with him, and at the beginning of the show, they're super accommodating of him, and they're like, like when he asks these dumb questions, they answer him sincerely, and by the end of the show, they're so annoyed that they ignore him when he asks questions. 
Yeah, that, like, you get that, a, like you get to watch the three-hour progression of them just getting in- increasingly more annoyed. Yeah, that sounds like it's part of the fun. It is, and the funny thing is, is that like by the time he's annoyed them, he somehow manages to have one salient question at some in the mid at the end of the show, near the end of the show, when they do the bit where Jim Neidhart betrays the heart Brett to join up with Owen, he asks them. Hey, did you guys ever do anything like that when you were wrestling? Oh, and it's like, no. oh my god, how did you accidentally have a good question? Because that would be a great opportunity for both of the other commentators, both ex wrestlers, to sell the story by being like, "No, we would have never betrayed our family like that." Hmm. But by that point, they don't. They are so annoyed they don't even answer him. They just <laughs> ignore him and move on. <laughs> Oh yeah, I guess uh, I guess the only other match result is yeah, Roddy Piper beat Jerry Lawler. Whoop de doo! I don't really the whole, <laughs> whole oh, storyline. That, that thing paid off. Okay. Yeah, that story, that storyline was terrible. The match was terrible. No point in saying anything more. Cool. So uh, the only other story that's really been progressing besides this Hart family business is Ted DiBiase continuing to buy the services of other human beings. Well, so his entire career, not, what else? Is yeah. Yes. But he's having a real career renaissance as he's now no longer only has like one black man servant. Now he has like a whole group of like what, first of all, white people, but also a whole cast of people that he's paying. And oh, God. Uh, you know what? He's a million dollar man. He has the money for it. Yep. So he's kind of recruited in Bam Bam Bigelow. Uh, I don't remember if I mentioned him before. You but... mentioned Bam Bam. Yep. Okay. So he he signed Bam Bam. He has brought in the Undertaker. The Undertaker has returned and is apparently swayed by Tibiasi's money. He's on this episode. I mean, Tibiasi was. Didn't you say he was involved in like his original like coming or something? Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, so, it, yeah. It, it is a fun callback, but yes, it, he's it got is, some ties there. There is, and yeah, he's he's been saying for weeks that he only he has the money to bring back the Undertaker, and ta-da, the Undertaker is back. <laughs> well, con- congratulations, you threw enough money at the problem until it fixed itself. Hey, and of course, Paul Bear. Paul Bear is this is weird because I've had to like follow this storyline in writing because he's not shown up on Raw, but he appears on Superstars for this kind of stuff. So like. Paul Bearer is around trying to argue for Undertaker's soul or whatever. Uh, yeah, but, sure. But, it, but it's not playing out on Raw in any meaningful way. So it's it's not something that I've seen and can thus give a more, you know. Paul Bearer is a, a minor character at best half the time anyway, so whatever. Yeah, and then uh, kind of DiBiase's new scheme is he wants to sign Lex Luger. Oh wait, is that is that the the the, year, the, the original the, 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 the Neo Hulk Hogan? Hogan. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, this is this is kind of where um, his okay. next big story beat is is him is he is him try is is DiBiase trying to to sway Lex Luger with his millions of dollars? Sure, why why not? I guess. Yeah, I'm not super uh, super um uh, Well, cuz Lex Luger's nothing. He's there's a reason nobody knows who the hell he is. Oh, nah. He yeah, mm, I mean, he's a legend and and like is he, he? But, yes. He's but not for, you know, but not, you know, Hulk Hogan level. Uh, I mean, okay. He's fondly remembered. But, I, this, okay. this, but this era was a flop. You know, he really is more famous for, like, how good he was outside of WWE. Oh, now, he had an indie career? Uh, WCW. Nice. Yeah, WC, right. WCW, you, WCW, he did a lot better, and he's kind of a lot more fondly remembered for that. Good for you, buddy. <laughs> Some people fondly remember the Yokozuna thing and the tour bus thing because it's kind of meme but, like, especially, <sighs> like, now that that's over, we're in this period of his WWF career that nobody cares about. <laughs> that, yeah, uh, he, like, it just seems, like, so pointless. Yeah, and, and, uh, and uh, 
that is kind of all the major progressions because we're because kind of like a lot of the storylines I mentioned before are kind of not relevant right now. You know, Jeff Jarrett and Doink the Clown isn't really gone anywhere. Uh, oh I'm pretty, no, I'm, pretty sure, I'm so I'm, sad. <laughs> I'm pretty sure IRS and Tatanka are is done. Um, the tag team titles are not really had a storyline right now. They're kind of they've kind of wrapped up with the Quebecers, who officially one of them has left the company. So they're like, that's done. So uh, it's, sure. there's kind of, there's kind of, there's, there's not really any like sl- lower tier storylines worth bringing up right now. Cause like nothing's really been progressing significantly. Well, yeah, it's the new generation. What do you expect? Hey, oh yes. One more thing before we go. Uh, Vince McMahon isn't on commentary right now. He is, uh, he has been replaced by Gorilla Monsoon. And Gorilla uh, Gorilla Monsoon was is was an ex wrestler in the seventies, and then in his career, and then afterwards, he kind of gained a real career uh, surgence uh, as a color as the play by play commentator during much of the golden age in the eighties. Like he was the play by play guy during WWF's first major popularity height. Okay. So he's he's still part of the company now. Uh, they they mostly faced him out in a backstage position, but he's back right now because they and and I this is this time in period is he mentioned that Vince McMahon is recovering from neck surgery earlier in one of the earlier episodes, which means it is <gasps> the steroid trial era yes! because that is when, because that's when Vince McMahon got the neck surgery. So that he could be in court with the neck brace on. Oh, wait. Did he do that for sympathy points? Yes. Oh, that weaselly little bastard. He did. So, yeah. This is this period of time (laughs) where Vince is not on TV. Because, oh. We made it. We're tired of insulting our our audience's intelligence. (laughs) This is, this is good times. Good times in Yes. I, okay. I, this makes me a little happier knowing that behind the scenes Vince is having to deal with the drug trial. He is he is having the worst time right now. <laughs> good. Fuck you, Vince. Oof. <laughs> okay. A little bit of joy brought back to my life. And there we have it. That is our opening. That is That's our it. opening half. We are oh good God. to go. To okay, watch okay. the show. We'll see you guys in the back half. And we are back. We have just finished the July the July 4th, 1994 episode of Monday Night Raw. Well, I'll give it this. It wasn't as painfully, depressingly boring as last time. No, I had a lot more fun this week, though. I was laughing through most of it. Yeah, this was not fun because the like the match was the the stuff was engaging it was fun because we had more shit to riff about yeah so where where do you want to start on this one i don't even know it's it's just i mean okay it's still let, let me let me be very clear here it's still deeply boring on like a structural level it all blends together like i guess we should just start from the beginning and go down because yeah, start with the worst part, really. Is is it, yeah, that, that kind of was the worst part, wasn't it? Yeah, no. It was we spent the first 15 minutes of this episode was spent on a match between Jeff Jarrett and Tatanka. And, and it was so slow. It was okay. And it's really funny. Austin and I had like the exact same thoughts going in, like thoughts throughout apparently, which was started out. It was actually kind of cool. Like, like Jared's a good fighter and you know he sells well and tatanka's you know talented enough and looks nice and what have you they're both like big and flashy or whatever um and it starts off with kind of this nice energy they're going back and forth but then it just like slows the fuck down and and yeah and it slows down just so tatanka can get jeff jared into headlock after headlock and for them to like have constant fights with the ref about whether or not it's like a choke or hair pulling or whatever Uh, plot twist nothing comes of that now hey sometimes jeff jarrett would put tatanka in a headlock this is true this is true would go the other way and and the best part was we had a weird like middle part of this match where 
uh, Tatanka loses by countout, and it's a dumb countout because he loses by countout despite the fact that Jeff Jarrett gets out of the ring at one point, but that doesn't reset the clock. But apparently Jeff is pissed about this, so he's like, nah, 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 fuck this, restart the match, I want to win my own way. And then we keep slogging through with the same shit. Yeah, okay. Like, yeah, I should again emphasize that, like, the countout thing is dumb. Because, I mean, I understand that, like, technically speaking, you can have a variation on this rule. But, like, in the WF, it always is pretty much like when a new, if if, if one guy's out of the ring and one guy's in the ring and the other guy gets, and this guy in the ring goes out, the count resets. Like that is a common, a very like that's how the WWF has always done it, and so like it's really dumb to me that apparently the ref never stopped the count when Jeff Jarrett went outside the ring to go hit Tatanka some more, and it was a really boring way of doing it too. Like, like Tatanka walks around the ring three fourths of the way around the ring as like every turn Jeff Jarrett will like run up and hit him <laughs> once, and then he goes back in the ring and argues with the ref. Then Jeff Jarrett comes back out and does it again. Uh yeah, it's 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 this bizarre like and 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 like and and Jarrett is pissed about his count out loss, but he's not pissed because it was like a technically an illegitimate count out. He's pissed because I always win by the one two three. I I need to have my proper win, which and of course so, you know immediately. Which is so dumb because Jeff Jarrett is a heel. Like he and he he is not known for his valor and honor. Yeah, I don't know what they were going for with that because as soon as he says that, you know that means he's gonna lose. Um, and it it plays into nothing. He and Tatanka don't have any sort of history. There is no like character beat to this other than just like Jeff Jared making a random decision to drag this match out longer. What now, the fuck it, is the point? And it all builds to. Ironically, Jeff Jarrett tries was, to get counted out. He managed, he was trying to turn a count out win into a count out loss. But don't worry, Doink the Clown is here. <laughs> For along some with, reason. Along, along with, with Dink. With Dink. Yeah. <laughs> well, technically they're there because they're in a long running feud with Jarrett, Jeff Jarrett. But as I said, that has had like zero progress. So like I guess it's still We're, going on. We just got to remind the audience that it's there. The, the, uh, um, uh, the, the, the gun, the, what's the thing with the, the, the term Check, with the gun. Chekhov's gun. Yeah, really yeah, this is, yeah, this is, yeah, this is, this is Chekhov's gun where you just keep being like, by the way, there's a gun here. <laughs> but you never shoot the gun. You just yeah. keep reminding the audience there's a gun. And there's not any particular threat of the gun being shot anytime soon. We just keep cutting back to the gun. And in this case, the gun is dressed up in clown makeup and 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 shooting spritzer at people. They, and they don't even do any clown gags. He threatens they, to do a gag. Yeah. I, I, I think Dink does kind of hit him with the water, with the flower, with the water. Spray. Yeah, he does. Dink hits but him like, Doink, Doink threatens Jared by bringing out this giant bucket of water to throw at him, but then Jared just runs back in the ring and loses to Tatanka, so he never gets hit with the water. Yeah, this is... I, Okay, and this is something I in my in my desperation for something to analyze in this era because holy shit is it vapid. I honestly, I it just leads to this question that I had like throughout this episode, which is what the hell is the new generation trying to sell? Like, what is its messaging? What is its what is the audience supposed to take away from any of this other than just big muscly dudes fight good and even then the fight good part is questionable and inconsistent i mean i mean this is their this is their worst financial period they will ever have and yeah, i'm not even talking so. about like 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 selling but, monetarily Just but like, i think that, i think that kind of proves the point that they don't really have anything to sell good to sell yeah like they're like they're not they're not the they, they seem to have some conscious understanding that it's not the 80s and so they can't quite get as cartoonish about it but they're still kind of cartoony they're still really cartoony every single like jobber that was that was squashed in this episode was selling in the most like cartoony over the top way imaginable they all looked like flailing 2d looney tunes 
and and then all the characters are t- are one dimensional, like goofy ID caricatures of things. Yeah, there is no nuance. Absolutely none. The closest we have to nuance is is Brett and Owen Hart and kind of the one two three kid. But even then, that that version of nuance is so like so surface level that it's that it's like okay, it's nice that these guys have more character than just one singular gimmick that they keep doing over and over again. Mm-hmm. Like it's rough. Like it's and I think this is really an era that didn't even really know what it wanted to be. Yes, thank you. And it just comes off like a whole lot of black. It's it's so much black. Like okay, again, it was more fu- okay for the most part. It was more fun black. That for that fifteen ba- minute long back, opening the match. The back half of this episode was a lot more fun black. Yeah, the the back half of this episode had a decent like uh, a, a decent kind of like uh card to it where where uh we first had. God, I can't even remember their names. Who are the big guys that squared off against each other? Oh, um, the, oh, wait, not, that didn't come first. Of, what came? That did not come first. No, I know what I'm thinking of. Okay, never mind. But yeah, I don't really, I don't think I have anything more to say about the Jarrett match. That was there. What, there is what? there is none. Like the only thing left is just like randomly rehashing the riffs we had throughout the episode. Yeah, I, didn't, like, I don't really want to do that. Yeah, no, it's it's just like. It, it, it's it's for fifteen. It's fifteen minutes of nothing, and, and a I really five minute episode. And a, yeah, it takes up a third of the runtime, and for what? Something that has absolutely no plot significance, I guess. Aside from oh, hey, here's a reminder that that Doink and Jared are feuding. What a fucking weird combo to make feud. Woof. Yeah, but then the next part of the episode, I think, is is the best part in terms of like actual plot stuff. Um, is yeah, is the King's Court again. <laughs> I mean, this wasn't as entertaining at King's Court as last time. It was more. It was more entertaining to to watch like one, two, three, kid like dick, uh, like like, like be a dick to Lawler. <laughs> yeah, no, I. But this this felt like. Like what the fuck? I guess I guess Law- Jerry Lawler's interview segment is kind of accidentally the best part of the show again. Yeah, again, of of only for like story progression reasons. Like, like, well, I guess no, the end part is story progression too. But yeah, sure. Yeah, but we we get this we get this this interview where Lawler is you know doing his shtick where he does his stand up comedy routine for a second. The stand up comedy being just insulting the audience for a minute. That's not even funny. He's just being an asshole. Yeah, and then the one two three kid comes out and and you know this it is a baby face versus baby face match between him and, and him and the kid so between heart and the kids so they're kind of trying they, they kind of try to put some tension to it of like lawler's trying to instigate something here and he's kind of like i'll be rooting for you what kid because he doesn't he, he still hates bret hart so yeah. he's like i'm rooting for you to win the title but you need to get that mean edge and, and you, lawler's kind of spends the whole segment kind of needling the one, two, three kid to be like, get dirty, get fight dirty, you know, get mean. That's the only way you're going to beat Bret Hart. And, and the one, two, three kid is, is stands fast that, you know, like he respects Bret Hart too much. He's not going to do dirty tricks. He's going to win. He's going to, you know, he's going to give it his all. And, and if he wins, he wins, but he's not going to take the easy way. I, and, and I mean, it's nice to watch like one, two, mm-hmm. three kid is kind of, Again, it's a little one note, but at least he has something there of like of of there's a distinct character. You know, he calls he calls uh he calls Jerry Mr. Lawler and he calls Brett Mr. Hart. Like, you know, mm-hmm. they're clearly going for, you know, this is a young uh bright eyed, bushy tailed kid that just wants that's like so happy to be here. And it's mm-hmm. it and it's not as like, you know, trying as, as that sounds. Like it it's mm-hmm. charming and he he's he's good enough at like kind of making it charming. Um, and he, and of course he's like, I'm not doing this for you, Mr. Lawler, with all due respect, I'm doing it for me. And sure, it sets up something that like, it'll be nice to see how that pays off, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's, it's not, but, and it's, it's a nice little character beat, but it's not mm-hmm. like anything groundbreaking. Overall. No, I mean, again, it's more just like, 
it just makes it just kind of makes me vaguely like one two three kid of like oh i like this persona yeah and i know bret hart is cool so let's let's see how this you know goes yeah and then at least gives you something to look forward to (laughs) yeah and and yeah next time we be we we come to this era we are gonna we are gonna watch uh, that ma- that episode and that match. So at least there's that. I am tentatively looking forward to that. Trepidatiously. I, I cannot imagine it is a bad match. I hope not. I really hope not. I, I like I, would, I like I one bad. Yeah, I would feel bad if like both of the feature matches that we all the feature matches we've seen so far are pretty bad. So that yeah. was I I will I will I, I also want to interject uh the observation I made at the very beginning of this episode too of of hey at least we're in a bigger arena this time, so I don't feel like so depressed by how financially dire the WWF is. Yeah, it looked a lot nicer this week. I do not know where they were. I didn't catch where they they were emanating from. They I had think to... I'm pretty sure they're in New York because I'm pretty sure Lawler made a crack about that. But well, they're not, they're not in the same place they were the last time. Yeah, seriously, it looked they, way I, more like a warehouse. They pulled out. They pulled out all the stops for the Fourth of July episode, except. By the way, for making it anything to do with the Fourth of July. No, they did nothing. I was the most lie. they had was was Savage, like in a in a Fourth of, in like a American flag everything, uh, get up and, and then they end the show on a shot of the flag. But which, other than that, it, it, there's nothing to do with it. And the way commentary was talking about it, like made it sound like the show should have had more to do with the Fourth of July, but they just kind of like forgot. They're like, oh, whatever. They're, they're like, oh, the patriotic WW or something. They said something patriotic, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is supposed to be a 4th of July app. <laughs> I know. Like, it, it's kind of weird that they kind of let that go by. I mean, literally, because of the way calendars work, they, they don't get to do a 4th of July show every year. It's it's so bizarre to me that, like, it's... I don't, I don't even know, like... Even even stuff that should feel like, you know, basic, easy, like, moves for them to make to get, like, something more out of a show, they don't even seem capable of, like, grasping the, like, the, the idea of doing. Like, why was Lex Luger not here? His, his thing is he is made in the USA. Why was uh, Luger not on the show at all? Didn't even get his Ico Pro commercial. We got Razor Ramones again. Again. Doesn't even have the freaking catchphrase on it. Ugh. Yeah, no. Nor do they have their women's champion whose name in outside of America is literally a a joke on this. Their women's champion is Alundra Blaze. When she was wrestling in Japan, she went as Medusa, which was a portmanteau of made in the USA. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, I will say this. So we don't see either of them. I will say this: to some extent, the piss poor writing makes a little more sense now that now that fucking McMahon is being put on trial for like steroids. He's not, he is not here doing <laughs> anything. He is not here writing the show. But even when he is here, he seems fucking incapable of doing anything intelligent in this era. <laughs> Jesus was it was 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 Vince Russo really like the shot in the arm that got McMahon to stop being a dumbass? Because like holy Up shit, in the new dude. generation era, yes. What the yeah. hell? Ima- oh, imagine how pathetic you have to be to have an edge lord like Vince Russo be your like shot at revival and be like, oh yeah, maybe I should actually do something intelligent with my writing again. Ugh, this era is so terrible. It's so it's it's just it's just. It's so nothing. Nothing makes sense. There's no sense of of theming. There's no set like, like there's even, no sense of urgency to anything. No sense of that urgency. Yeah, it just it just feels like it's spinning its wheels, which is depressing. Which is sad when it's happening every week. Yeah, no. They're spinning their wheels on a weekly basis. Yeah, even like Jesus Christ. Even the 80s, the cartoony, dumb 80s, where I will, like, never stop ranting about the awful sexual politics they insisted on putting on display week after week. At least that was, like, some thematic coherency, as opposed to this, which is just nothing more than what's happening on the surface. 
god. And the worst part is, we're filling our episodes with goddamn jobber squashes. So we can't even say there are good matches to be seen here, because there's not. The most entertaining part is seeing how cartoony the jobbers get and how they sell. That is that is a highlight of, of watching these old school episodes with jobber squashes, how goofy the jobbers look. That is so a highlight. Stupid. Yeah, no. So I, I guess I guess we can we can transition to the first of these jobber squashes. Might as yeah, well. Let's go about. for it. Is is this was this was Jim Neidhart, which it took me honestly, I forgot this match happened until while we until we started recording this episode and I was thinking back through the episode. <laughs> I forgot it happened, and I was like, "What did that? Oh, that did happen." Yeah, I mean, not a whole lot going on here. Like Jim Neidhart just squ- literally with no fight back. None of the none of the squashes tonight had like a fight back. It was. Just, I think. I think. Was, I think Duke had 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 a little. Duke, bit okay, Duke had a tiny had a bit little of bit of back and back and forth. We'll get but, there in a minute, but first, yeah, yeah Neidhart just completely fucks this one guy up without even like a shirt. Like from. From moment one, this guy's like cowering in a corner, like, please don't hit me, Mr. Anvil. And he hit him like an Yeah, a lot. A lot. <laughs> and 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 we had like and then we had Owen Hart in the corner, like just, screaming just, at the guy yeah, whenever he, he went down. He's just kind of there to, to chew some scenery in the background over here. Jesus, we should have gotten we should have gotten Dustin Rhodes in on this. If he was gonna if they're gonna make him kinky at one point, this is definitely someone's degradation fetish. Holy shit. Hey yo! <laughs> Well, because seriously, he gets he gets pushed down by by Nightheart, and then Owen Hart just gets in his face and starts screaming about what a loser he is. Like, <laughs> like Jesus, this is just a level of emotional battery that's just it's it's excessive at this point. It's not and even it's, fun excessive. It's just like guys, lay off a little bit, jeez. Yeah, and it's it's kind of the most the crowd gets really into this in the sense that like they love chanting at Bret Hart, chanting Bret Hart at them to piss them off. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly one of the best parts of this for me is like watching the crowd in the background and how they react to certain things. Or don't was, react like they didn't give a or don't re- or don't react. The there was yeah, I I can't remember if it was during the Jeff Jordan Tonka match or if it was during the um the uh it, no, it must have been Jared Tatanka. There was this great moment I noticed where like pretty much every single fan in the background and like those in like on the floor seats were all like looking in a direction other than the ring. Like there was a five second span where each of them was either like looking directly to the left or to the right, but none of them were looking at the ring. None it was the it was such a great image. Nah. Oh god. Very not even like the kids were caring. <laughs> no, they did not give a shit. What they got hype when one two three kid entered. That was fun. Yeah. They, they got they got hype later on, which I'll talk about when we get there. But like, but like, yeah, no, they 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 got into pissing people off re Bret Hart because yeah, sure, that's a fun gimmick to do with Bret Hart. Yeah. So, but so Nightheart got the win, obviously. But Nightheart no gets real, the win. The no only point win. of it is to have. Not even Nightheart to have Bret Hart turn to the camera and scream about how he's coming for Owen. Or no, geez, Owen turned to the camera screaming about how he's coming for Bret. You're thinking like, of a different thing. thing yeah. Later. Yeah. No. But but like. But why aren't we having Owen fight a match then? Why is he having Nightheart do yeah, the wait, work? Yeah, he's gonna be the one to like turn to the camera and scream about how he's coming for for Bret. Like. Yeah. You're, yeah. Why? Why is the Owen not the one who's getting the easy win to show how dominant and strong he is? Why are we making Nightheart look like the strong one here? It's just so it. It's just nothing in this writing makes sense. Nothing is thought through. What that's what's so frustrating about this era is just. Everything feels just thrown together. There, it feels like there is no, no, no thought put to anything that's being put to screen. No, absolutely not. Just yeah, very baseline thoughts sometimes, but even then, like it doesn't go that deep. And most of the time, we don't even give a shit about the implication of anything that's like going on in ring. It's yeah. this is this is this is wrestling at its worst because the fighting is fucking inconsequential. Mm-hmm. That's both, when you have both, bad wrestling. Like both parts of the of the equation, so to speak, are bad. Like yeah. matches aren't so good that I can at least be like, well, there's some good matches. Those are fun. 
and the storylines are not good enough for me to care about the wrestlers. The writing is serviceable at best, mm-hmm. and the fights have fuck all to do with them for the most part, which now, is just depressing. Like, that's the worst part about jobber squash matches, is that by design, they basically mean nothing. But there are ways you can do jobber squashes that matter. But A, not when you're saturating your whole goddamn show with them, and B, not when not when you refuse to think more than like one layer deep about anything going on in any of your storylines. This mm-hmm. is objectively bad wrestling because you completely lose any sight of the art form of it and you're just going through the motions without ever, ever considering what the hell you're actually doing up there. God, it frustrates me. You could say that this whole era can go in the trash can. <laughs> uh, and that is yeah, nice, nice segue. That yeah, okay, dude. <laughs> that is, in fact, my segue to talk about the next match on this show. Duke the Dumpster Drozzy had a yep. job squash, and it was the most competitive one of the night. That really says something good about him, doesn't it? Okay, okay, I'm going to get this out of the way now. I won't make a running joke out of it, but just because I have to do it once at some point in this era, <clears throat> I'm the trash man. I throw I, I, I throw a trash can, and I start eating garbage. Unfortunately, he does not eat garbage. Disclaimer no. for the audience, I'm terribly sorry. No. I mean, this might be your only chance. I have no idea when he if he pops up again. <laughs> This might be your one chance at that one. All right. Well, I'm glad I took it. But yeah, uh, Duke Drozzy is here, and it's actually kind of an entertaining match. It's another jobber squash, and it's like a double big guy fight with Mm. legendary jobber. You fill this part in. Iron Mike Sharp. Yes, he's kind of he is he is well known. I I don't know his full wrestling career. He he probably wrestled outside of being a jobber in the 90s. But he is kind of well-known as being one of the more, like, well-known jobbers of this time period. Iron feels like kind of a contradictory name for a dude whose whole job was to lose. Well, you gotta build him up, though. You, you gotta make him sound impressive, because he's gonna lose. Because to make the other guy sound even more impressive, he didn't just beat Mike Sharp, he beat Iron Mike Sharp. <laughs> Uh, sharp as iron, baby. Anyway, uh, the 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 thing about this match, this feels like a very, very, very diet version of what we saw last week with Mark Henry and Big Show of like mm-hmm. two big dudes going at it, but it but like the brutalism was so much lesser. Um, I, Duke has a fun like like physicality about him. He's one of those guys that's kind of engaging enough where he, he kind of, the way he stands and carries himself is like, okay, he seems fun. And he, and I, his costume looks kind of nice. It's like, you know, it looks like it smells, which I'm sure is, you know, effective imagery for what they were going for with him. being, I, You know, a garbage man. I, I feel like I can say definitively that I like him better than TL Hopper. T.L. Hopper is a janitor who of of, the, of this era. His gimmick was he's a janitor. What the fuck? Why? Of all the jobs, we're really doing a janitor? Okay. I mean, we also do a janitor. I mean, hey, I mean yeah. no disrespect to janitors, but like yeah. that's that feels like that just feels like scraping the bottom of the barrel of like what jobs can we incorporate? I mean, while we're here, I get, and I'm never ever coming back to this era to, to do this character. So I guess I'll just bring it up now is that before Kane was Kane, he wrestled in this era as Isaac Yankum. He's a dentist who's evil. <laughs> he's Jerry. Sorry, he's Jerry Lawler's evil dentist. Of course, Lawler has an evil fucking dentist. He likes causing people pain. So they literally just like took notes from Little Shop of Horrors. That's and, it. Admit, admittedly, it's admittedly a stereotype of dentists being a sadist. It's super, super easy to play to. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it just literally like reads like, oh, it's Oren Scrivello DDS, except he probably doesn't sing. Nah, he doesn't sing. I don't think you he- know. You know. 
I want more singing Kane in my life. I'll be honest. I think the best part of the of Isaac Yankum is the fact that he had bad teeth. Like that irony is funny to me. <laughs> Do they ever lampshade that? I don't remember. <laughs> oh God. But anyway, I, back to the show we did watch. Yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, I was such a nice distraction. Anyway, yeah, the Duke match was nice. He, they, they bumped into each other and 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 hit each other a lot with with you know tough enough looking hits and mm-hmm. what have you. And yeah, he, he seems like a fun persona, even though according to Austin, he sucks at talking. Yeah, no, he's not. He's not very good at you know at the characters. Like he's good at. I think he's pretty good at like embodying this character. But in terms of like expressing it, expressing himself, he's not great. <laughs> so, which is unfortunate. But yeah, no, he looks nice enough. Uh, mm-hmm. He seems like he seems he seems like you know fun enough and intimidating enough. It was it was cheesy, dumb. I don't want to say fun because it wasn't particularly. F- it was fun adjacent. <laughs> it was we'll go with fun that. enough. <laughs> yeah, I was reasonably diverted. <laughs> a, uh, I guess. Yeah. Before, I think before we get to the main event segment of this show, I feel like I want to talk about the commercials part. I didn't know where yeah. else to put them, but I had a lot of fun with the commercials at least. Not I not, the, not the Ico Pro because we already saw that. Yeah, one. we already saw that. One. But, you know, um, I'm sad we didn't get a super cheesy SummerSlam commercial. Because as I mentioned to David earlier in this, earlier in, in when I'm in the prep stuff, in one of the earlier episodes, we got it at one where they're talking about SummerSlam is in your backyard. And so, like, a dude, so like a dude is watching SummerSlam and Yokozuna, like, for, comes from the, falls from the sky and splat, and, like, goes splat on him and probably kills him. But... <laughs> But I think that was so funny, and we didn't get one of those. Oh, no. You know, I was happy we didn't get, like, weird, overlong promo segments in the middle of the show that were just like, okay. They ain't got time for those. Yeah, thank God. We, we're we're not, we don't have the, we don't have Todd Pettengill giving the SummerSlam reports yet. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> So instead, we had oh, some pretty iconic ones in the era, actually. Yes, we got. Well, this was an appearance of the Bret Hart hallway commercial, <laughs> which, which is, which is a if if you know, is that they did the I believe it was Mean Joe Green, I believe was the one who does a commercial where like he's walking down the he's walking in down the tunnel and some kid yell fan yells at him, yeah, Joe, and then he turns around. And he walks to him, and he's like, "Go get!" And then like, "Have a good game or whatever." I haven't, I haven't really sort of seen the original of this, but so they do this beat for beat with Bret Hart, where he's like walking down the tunnel, and some Bret, and then some fan goes, "Bret!" And, and, and the best part, is, I, I, I want to point out like the ultimate cheesiness of this too is like, it's like a little kid with his dad, and like, yeah. who knows what the hell these two like randos are doing backstage Um, in a position where he can talk to Brett as he's going out to the ring (laughs) yeah no and they're like wandering around without passes or any sort of supervision anyway um but don't don't think about it too hard but the the and the dad goes like now be quiet buddy he's he's about to go out for a match he's got to concentrate and the kid's just sitting there and he's trying so hard but you can see that 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 first syllable forming on his lips and he just goes Brett (sighs) Brett turns like 180. No, Brett does a super dramatic turnaround. And I, I that, just for a moment thought like the commercial was gonna be he decks the kid. That that becomes part of his that becomes part of his like entrance video, by the way. Like that turn that dramatic turnaround becomes oh. part of his, like highlight video that they show when he comes out. When that, for it. that becomes more of a thing they do in like the late 90s and stuff. But yeah, he like, and he does the dramatic turnaround. He walks up to the kid, and the kid's like, "Go get him, Brett!" And then like, Brett Hart cracks a smile for the first time in the commercial, and he puts the kid, he puts his shades on the kid. It's so it was cute and it was wholesome, and I'm like, you know what? I'm here for it. That was that was I I like I like me some WWF wholesome posting. No, that was great. And then we also got a Slim Jim commercial. Yes. I didn't think they were still showing those on Raw. We finally encountered one in the wild. Yeah, we got Randy Savage doing a 15-second spot for Slim Jim. 
yep. he tears his locker open and it's just like stacked to the brim with Slim Jim after Slim Jim. Nice. And you know, he gets in and makes the iconic snap sound. Oh, yeah. Snap. I can't do it. Snap. Yeah, you, you know, know, whatever. You know, what it is. you know what it is. You know, y'all know what it sounds like. Don't pretend. Even if you haven't seen it, you know what it sounds like. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I actually got to see, like, one of the Randy Savage Slim Jim commercials. I didn't um, realize they ever, they, they have other, they do pop up in these early Raws that he, when he was still with the company. There's another one that I, that I, that I love when he, like, it's one of it is, like, he, like, has a bag of chips, and he goes, chips, and he crushes the chips, and then he pulls out the Slim Jim, and he goes, gotta have beef, gotta have spice, a little excitement, snap into a Slim Jim, oh, yeah. <laughs> I love your Savage impression so much, it makes me so happy. Yeah. Savage oh my god fun to do as an impression guys oh yeah he's so i mean he's so impressionable just in general he's great and, uh, i love i love um, the chips line chips chips gotta have me some the, honestly from you describing it the excitement part is what really gets me like like it feels like an afterthought like he's saying like gotta have me some beef gotta have me some spice oh it's excitement oh like 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 it's kind of like a like an afterthought of like oh man that's ex- like he's legitimately getting pumped up thinking about it yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's wholesome it's wholesome content it, it was a fun time and after i spent so much time feeling squicked out by like randy savage's weird jealousy complex with his like now ex-wife like i uh it's nice to just watch the fun easy to digest no pun intended like savage slim jim commercials no savage is, was is fun around this time that and his unabashed yeah. Or of the one, two, three kid during. Yeah, I know. Segment. He was, yeah, he, he kept chiming in in support of the one, two, three kid against Lawler. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Don't get him, buddy. Yeah. So just like, like, absolutely a delight. And, and I pointed this out too. Like, like I, it's, it's cool to have Savage on commentary for this era because like, like I said last time, like it, it must've been pretty cool to be in like one of those audiences and like have Savage on commentary and like, you know, watch him like like have him out there for the entire show and getting to watch him like talk throughout the whole thing. And then like the way he like hypes up the one, two, three kid when he like enter enters to like do his King's Court interview. I'm just like, God, just imagine like you're in one, two, three kids position and you kind of are like this younger guy that that's worked his way up through the company and you kind of are legitimately just like really happy to be here. And my, Absolute WWF legend, Muscle Man Randy Savage, uh, introduces you as enthusiastically as he would introduce one of his own fucking children. Like, like that's gotta feel cool. Yeah, I'm here for the wholesome uh, Savage. Sav- Sav- yeah, Savage. As much as this is this point in time, he was creatively frustrated because he wanted to get back in the ring. He was absolutely bringing as much energy as he could to commentary. Yeah, and and it's just like a nice little sunny spot in a like dismal like overcast sky of dumb shit. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Oh, anyway. Of stuff that honestly I don't think is that dumb relative to this. I mean, it's dumb but it's it's fun dumb. Yes. Actually so, dumb. dumb. <laughs> so for, so we get the main kind of the main event segment of the show is is you got Ted is Ted DiBiase bringing out the Undertaker. Undertaker. Who he is swayed with the power of money. Yeah, so so he so he squashes a jobber whose name we didn't even fucking catch, who's like in like this this like Waluigi covered singlet, colored nah, singlet, which I I mean I hey, you know what? I kinda was into The Undertaker this time. I like I th- found him to be cheesy, but unlike in the attitude era where like the cheesiness feels unintentional because like everything's supposed to be grim dark here. The cheesiness feels a little more intentional and thus it's like, it's like cartoony scary and I can get into it. He's like, actually like, like, okay, this costume's a little dumb because like his sleeves are like cut to I like, guess, I guess, but I love the Western mortician get, get up. I mean, no, I do too. I do too. I like it, it's, it's got like a weird silhouette to it that I'm not like, totally vibing with but like for the most part yeah it's nice and he's got this nice like you know the the hair over his face and he's just like glaring down always and he's clearly got like some really pale foundation on and shit 
Um, so like I kind of got into him this time around, and he seemed like a legitimate threat. Like he just was yeeting this guy uh and choking him out, and holy shit, chill, dude. Yeah, worst part of the match is that he does his signature sit-up spot. I don't know if for those of us for those of you who don't know, like because this gimmick is that he's a he's dead man, he's like a zombie. Like yeah. his signature spot is that like someone will knock him down and then he'll like raise up as if he was like a corpse rising yeah. from the dead or some shit. Like that's his signature move. Like that's one of his signature moves as a wrestler. And the camera completely misses it to cut to a close up shot of DiBiase's face. Yeah. For some reason. For no reason other than just he looks excited. Yeah. Like, no yeah. reason at all. They miss, like, one of his most iconic, like, things. Yeah. A really cartoony costume, but I kind of actually for once felt the whole, like, creepy zombie dead guy vibe. So that's something. Yeah. Um, so after the match, you know, it kind of, he wins, duh. You, duh. And, but then, and then after the match, out comes Paul Bearer. And as I told David, you haven't gotten to see Paul Bearer in, like, Peak Paul Bearer get up. By the time you get to the Attitude Era and he stopped inter- being part of like Undertaker's he stopped being part of Undertaker's act. Like he's died, he's let his hair go go blonde again, go brownish blonde again. And, yeah. he, and he doesn't color and his mustache is that same color. As opposed to and he stops wearing foundation <laughs> all over his face because this Paul Bearer and, and like and like dark makeup around his eyes. Yeah, the, Paul Bearer and that and as he as he appeared originally is what he is right now, where he's got the the jet black hair, the jet black mustache. He's got white makeup all over his face, and then yeah, he's got the makeup under his eyes. Yeah, he's got some serious like like Adams Family vibes going on. I did, um, I did say that during the show, but I thought it, but I did not say that. Yeah, yeah, no, but like, uh, and, and also he always he has like this constant like grimace where he's like, Ooh, we like 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 he just he looks like deeply disturbed about everything and like almost like agoraphobic of like of like I don't want to be out here right now. Like that's the look on his face. He looks like slightly like concerned. Ooh. Yeah, no, like, I wish, sadly, our viewers do not see the faces we're making trying to imitate Paul Bear's manner of facial expressions, but it is insane. You should probably go look it up, because it's very funny. I'm looking at pictures of him, and it's kind of, like, it's kind of, like, sweet how, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of sweet, like, how, uh, how into it he seems to be in, like, every single shot. Nah, Paul Bear went hard at this goofy, at this goofy guy who runs a fuel funeral parlor shtick yeah um and so he comes out and he's just like and, and here's the other part where i loved the crowd the way the crowd reacted to paul bearer coming out was kind of like delightful because it was because they were like they seemed like excited to like see him there and they were like doing something to like reach out to him or whatever and and he's like oh oh and as he like walks up to the ring and he like tries to like entice undertaker back to him yeah, so kind of the kind of the 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 the, fight, the big moment at the end of the show is the Undertaker is he is being torn, his undead soul is being torn between two pe- between his between his two mentors, Paul Bearer his, his, and, and his and, funeral and, daddy and money daddy and money. Yep, pretty. Let's put. Yep, that's exactly how I would phrase it. <laughs> Which I made the comment. I made the comment like during the match of in kayfabe paul pair's job is like a funeral director imagine this creepy motherfucker being your like funeral director like like i made the comment of like because again like pale makeup dark rings around his eyes and like just this weird like upset expression on his face constantly and uh, apparently according to this apparently this weird high-pitched voice to go along with it (laughs) so so just imagine how so, how would Grant be have liked his ceremony to be? And oh well, you know, we wanted something, you know, kind of nice and simple and dignified. Oh yes! Consider that Undertaker also works at the funeral parlor. <laughs> That's gotta be like so honestly. He's there too, and he's like, mm, fine selection of casket. <laughs> 
it really honors your grandfather. Honestly, I would love to have them direct my funeral. I would like I that that's like my energy right there of just like make everything a meme. <laughs> like it has to be the most ridiculously goofy funerals. Because you got fucking Paul Bearer and, and Undertaker are the ones. Oh, God. Well, not anymore because Undertaker chooses Money Daddy. He does. It took it took Ted DiBiase bringing out two stacks of two one stacks dollar of money. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Again, why are they, they? You can do better than a stack of ones, you cheap fuck. <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh, no. He's able to entice the Undertaker back. I know. Oh man, twenty whole dollars. I, I, I mean, that's that. That'd be enough to entice me, man. Let me tell you. Bear didn't pay well at the funeral parlor. <laughs> I doubt he paid anything. Honestly, he seems not like he's. Not. He seems like you're getting paid in experience. No, no yes. He'd be. He'd be. He'd be like, I'm giving you room and board for free. Have yeah. Some- respect if 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 you forgive the pun uh he he does seem like that much of a ghoul mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean i'm pretty sure they put out a comic book that, that is relatively canon depending on how you want to look at it that kind of does him in that light i've read it i own it what what oh my christ but anyway also i was gonna say before we get out of here i mean um before we get off of this um I would kind of hate for to be a to like poor Paul Bear had to grow up with that grow up with that name and it's like I guess I have to run a funeral parlor. <laughs> My name is Paul Bearer. I yeah I I mean to be fair if that's what you look like you gotta you you have to have been born to some like. To some like creepy ass people. I'm pretty sure he was born to the Adams family. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, he's like the lost. He he honestly looks like like a cross between Gomez Adams and Uncle Fester. He's the long lost brother of of Gomez and and Fester, and uh, Undertaker is Lurch's long lost child. Honestly, I believe it. I I I could see that. Uh, I I mean the 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 tall dark creepy stalwartness runs in the family mm-hmm. yeah no the uh <laughs> now that we've had Candon, the undertaker and paul bear into the adams family <laughs> yes we look at us unironically coming up with more interesting story threads in the actual fucking writer's room Oof! anyway <laughs> oh Jesus, yeah, they, do, but... they do this beat and i'm sure we will come back to this again because it's paul of bear course must Free the Undertaker. He's Undertaker. Even though, even though it, he eventually like says fuck it and leaves the Undertaker anyway. It's all part of his master plan. How am I supposed to betray the Undertaker if he already <laughs> <betrayed> <laughs> I wonder if he knew about Kane at this point, and he's yes, just like, and, and at this point, he's just fucking with him. In kayfabe, yes. In kayfabe, he always it was all a long con. What? Oh, jeez. Yes, in kayfabe, the entire Undertaker-Paul Bear relationship is a long con. <laughs> Man, that has some weird shades to this. But again, that's not an invention of this error. That's a retcon. That's later. <laughs> oh, God. I I just don't even know what to say aside from, once again, there is nothing. This this has nothing to offer. And I, and I can't really muster up more than that after i already kind of went on my rant earlier this episode but like guys can't we just like try a little bit harder please i i just i want to have fun i don't want to dislike this i'm sad that i like have an error of wrestling that just like makes me so like feel so mad like it's the ultimate sin of any sort of media apparatus like this to make me feel so like indifferent about it well, I will say it is kind of in clo- relatively in closing because I pretty much agree with everything and I don't see a reason to reiterate that <laughs> I think that next time we go in the new generation, you will not just feel mad <clears throat> and that the next and, and, and you also not feel mad in our next episode 
because next time, next time we, we return to the temple. Yes. Because it's time. What will Prince Puma do when he goes face to face with a man, with a man who is in fact not a man? He is a machine. Oh, Jesus. I don't know what his real name is, but they call him whoever they is. <laughs> oh, God. It's, it's, actually, it's actually singular they. Uh, Cage has, like, a non-binary roommate that, like, came up with his name. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Oh, boy. Thank hey, God. The plugs. Oh, right. Here we go. My, my friends, my dear, dear friends. We, when we're in this generation, the, the this new generation, if you will, we are suffering, and it feels so nice to have the solidarity of all of you to suffer along with us. So thank you for that. And next week, we look forward to you doing uh, doing much better than suffering with us. If you would like to join us next time and you do not know how, well, luckily for you, I can tell you. One, subscribe to us on YouTube. We are the Noobs and Knockouts Podcast. Two, follow us on the best places to get uh, podcast that would be on Spotify, on Apple, and on Google. Um, on any of those platforms, please leave some comments, leave some likes, leave some reviews, add us to your playlist, whatever you want to do. We love that sweet, sweet engagement. Um, anything, anything to you know, tell us what you think of the show, and just generally kind of you know help us get more more eyeballs and ears on the on the on the work we do because we want to we want to bring more people into this wild wacky fold of 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 wrestling that we got going um if you want to follow us on our socials uh you can find us on twitter at noobs and knox pod that's noobs the letter n knox pod because uh twitter has you know its whole hang up about character limits you know whatever um uh you can also email us uh at noobs and knockouts pod at gmail.com uh and that's the letter or that's the that's the word and this time if you want to just kind of give us some feedback give us episode suggestions um just generally say hi whatever you want to do we always love hearing from from you um and finally we have a we have a nice little patreon that you can follow if you like join our one dollar tier to get early access to episodes and get a shout out at the end of each episode see you guys next time hasta luego <laughs>